Amen. You know, I'm going to say this about a lot of different songs, but it's hard to beat what a day that will be. It's hard to beat that song for hope. It's hard to beat that song. I love that song. Thank you, Mr. Bism. Um, today we want to continue our seven sayings of Christ upon the cross. If you were here last week, you know the first saying was Jesus. It was a prayer of forgiveness. This morning we come to the second saying that's recorded for us. It's recorded for us in Luke 23, around verse 32, if you want to be finding that. The second one is a promise. The second uh, saying that is recorded for us from Jesus on the cross is actually a promise. Nobody's really sure the exact time that's between the, the first one, the prayer, and then the promise, but y'all, it couldn't have been long, right? He was on, you know, so it could have been hours, it could have been a few minutes, it could have been spontaneous. We don't know. But I'm sure if it even was a few hours, the amount of torture and, and how torture a lot of times think makes things drag out, it could have seemed like days to those on the cross. But in actuality, it was within the same day. So we know that Christ was suffering physically, but He was also being mocked. So all this mockery was going on while He was up here having these different sayings we're going to have re recorded for us in the second one today. And don't forget, above the cross, to further mock Him was a sign that said, King of the Jews. So there was a lot of mockery going on. And we know that the mobs were yelling at Jesus. The Bible records that for us. And they told Him, you know, if you're so big, come on down yourself, then we'll believe. There's all sorts of things recorded for us around the crucifixion of the mockery and the laughing that they did of Him. So, but the Scripture today, again, begins at verse 32. We're in Luke 23. And I want you to follow along as I read it, and then we'll get started. And there were also two other malefactors led with him, led with him to be put to death. So in other words, that makes a total of three. And when they came to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors. In other words, Jesus and the two thieves. One on the right and one on the left. You know, one of the as if you read the, the account, one of the thieves that was hanging on one, one side or the other of him started hurling insults to him. He actually probably was like the amen corner for the mockery that was going on at his feet. One of the thieves were. But then there was another one that didn't do that. You know, Jesus didn't rebuke anything that's recorded of what they were told. He didn't re rebuke any of it. And then one of the Thieves said this, kind of paraphrasing it. Do you not even fear God, he said. Since you and I are under the same sentence, he was talking to the other thief, we're here because we're supposed to be here. We were found guilty and we are guilty. But this man has done nothing wrong. Remember that, the, the discussion between the left and the right, the two thieves that we know them by. And then Jesus had, Jesus was... He, was, he said to Jesus, I'll get it right in a minute. He said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. One of the thieves did. And the amazing thing that Jesus said to him is, truly, 
I say to you, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. That's Luke 23, kind of paraphrase 30, 39 to 43. So we know the events. Three men died that day. Two thieves and Jesus himself. Jesus literally died. He gave up the ghost and died. His heart quit beating. Don't let nobody tell you different. They were crucified side by side. There was a thief, Jesus, and a thief. So if you look at it either way, a thief, Jesus, and thief. A thief, Jesus. Anyway, he was between thieves. Two of them were criminals. One was innocent. And that's the reason we're here today. One was innocent. You know, <laughs> if you think about it, there was a criminal on his left and a criminal on his right, and then Jesus hangs in the middle. Before we get started into the sermon, we want a side note. This is an illustration. And, and it sort of brings it home to me. It, just, it almost brings me to tears every time I think about it. But let's see if we can get through it. You always know if an if a, if a illustration starts with St. Peter, it's not true, right? You just know that. It's an illustration. So the illustration goes like this. St. Peter was at the gate, and Billy Graham come up. He said, oh, Billy Graham, we just love everything you've done. You've been so good. We've got a barn built in your name. You've evangelized. Come in and see the kingdom. Next one came in, same thing. Accolades after accolades. And listen close now. Then the thief came in and Peter, St. Peter said, what have you done on this earth? Why are you here? And he said this, the man in the middle said I could come. The man in the middle said I could come. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Think about that. That is his only accolades. He's not a member of a church, this thief. He didn't have to come down and be baptized, this thief. Right? Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, we don't even know his name or the other one as far as that goes. We know neither one of the thieves' names. They are labeled thief one or thief left and thief right. That's as good as they get. But I'm going to promise you something. Jesus told him, one of, them's on, one of them's in heaven. Now. One of them is in paradise, what they call paradise in the New Testament. So what is it about there? We don't know who they are. We don't even know really what crimes they committed, those two thieves. But it was bad enough to be crucified. We'll put it that way. It probably was pretty bad in the eyes of, of those in that day, the judicial system of that day. All we know is one on the left and one on the right. They were both criminals. They said that. We're here because we've been tried and we're justly guilty of our, our sin. And both were sentenced to die because of whatever that was. They would die. They all three, they're all, all three of their hearts quit beating that day. But in reality, you think about this now. Those, ten, those two men, the two thieves, could have been no more different than anybody. Listen to what I'm going to say. They were different. One major point. One of the thieves saw Jesus for who He really was and is. They saw a shell of a man beaten to a pulp, not looking like any kind of conquering king, but how did that thief see Jesus for who He really is. We call that grace. One of the men wanted freedom from his pain. He said, if you're Christ, get me down and everybody else from here. 
The other one said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He needed his sin forgiven. And that remember me was sort of a cry to Christ to remember him. Now what is it? Let's take a closer look at the thief that made it to heaven. By his very own admission, he was guilty. We have that recorded for us in the Bible. We are here because we are justly guilty of our, our heinous crimes and judged and found guilty by the law. We're here because we're supposed to be here on the cross. He deserved to die and he knew it. He was there having the sentence carried out. And literally by sundown, he would be dead along with the other two, Jesus and the other thief. His case had been tried. Think about it. He had been found guilty. The judgment was announced. The announcement of the judgment was a crucifixion. I'm talking about the thieves now. So indeed, he says, we have this verse 41. I'm going to paraphrase. And he said, and still Luke 23, he said, Indeed, we have suffered justly, for we are received the deserve of our deeds. But this man, the one in the middle, has done nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. Notice what's going on here. He confesses his guilt. He agrees to the punishment. This is the thief now. He knew he was a sinner. See, this, this is the recipe for salvation. If you have any doubt how to be saved, you just need to read about the thief and look at him. He knew that he was getting what he deserved. He didn't say, I don't know why I'm up here on the cross. I got hung. No, he said, I'm here because I did what I did and it's guilty under the law. And they said crucifixion was the punishment. He was there because he was guilty. He knew that. He agreed that he was there because of sinning. He knew that it was over with. He had no hope, Bo. I'm telling you, he was about to die just a matter of a few hours. He was going to be dead. No two ways about it. But he confessed his guilt on the cross, orally. He, him and Jesus weren't texting back and forth. They were talking, so they don't tell it who heard it. And they really, you know, we always have pictures of Jesus kind of way up there. They literally aren't that high up off the ground. But they, they're high enough where they're off, but they're not necessarily way up there, even though most of the pictures show them way, way high for everyone to see. There's, there's no real reason to see that they're 20 foot up in the air. Nobody can hear what they're saying. They're, they're sort of down in the area. You know, the people can still see them. And more importantly, if they talk or moan or cry or whatever, people can hear that. So he confessed. He confessed his guilt also before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they weren't too far apart laterally. There is really a profound truth about what that man said. Just like him, you know, we, we that are Christians have come the same way. Not by way of crucifixion, but, but, by, but of the way of getting to the point where we understand that we are sinners and without an intervention, we're doomed. We have to come to that same crossroads to have salvation offered to us. He admitted that he was guilty again. We must admit that we're guilty before a holy God. And it always bothers me when I, when I talk to different people about churchy things, you know, through a given week, we'll talk churchy stuff, and they'll say something about, you know, I, I really have this um, addiction, we'll put it like that. They have this thing that they do that they shouldn't do. And we'll talk and they'll say something about, you know, it's, it's okay 
It's covered by the blood. Look, there's a, there's a poison in that statement. It is covered by the blood, but if it don't make you cringe that you used to do it, or that you still do it, you're handed off your sin to Jesus. You hadn't saw it was the only place. I'm telling you, salvation is not Jesus taking all your, all your sins and you happily say, thank you. I didn't know how I was going to get rid of it, but I'm so glad. Well, in a sense it is. But in another sense it is, I'm done. I can't do anything about it. I'm sunk. I'm going to hell. Because why? Because I've sinned against a holy God and my judgment, according to the Bible, is death. And then grace is offered. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is exclusive on that. There ain't no other ones. So think about it. We must confess our sins before a holy God. Now, nobody in this room is sinless. You're not. I'm just going to tell you, you're not. I'm not. My wife's not. Nobody in here is. The only difference between us and somebody that is apart from Christ is we do not have Christ. We do not have the Holy Spirit within us cleansing us as we go. That's why Christianity is a journey. Justification is a one-time event, y'all. If you're, you're saved and justified, just like the thief... You're good. But a thief didn't have to come down and go to work Monday morning, right? We do, or whatever we do in a given week. So we have to make sure that we're continually submitting to the Holy Spirit and submitting to God that we have like this, 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 and this still we've got to deal with. There's two di- uh, remember, two different kind of sins cover everything. One is the sin of commission. It's the something you do. Something you think, something you read, something where somewhere you go, somewhere you do something to do. The sin of commission. You committed a sin. The second one is a sin of omission. That's the gotcha. The sin of omission. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. You didn't do. Well, see, what will happen is somebody will get, they'll take the Ten Commandments and they'll amplify it. They'll say, it says, Thy shall not kill. I'm good. I'm good. I ain't killed nobody. But then what did Jesus say? Even if you have hate in your heart from someone, it's the same thing. So we can say something like, well, I've got that Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not kill. I check it off. I don't have to worry about that. So I am doing a sin of omission by committing a crime of Hatred towards someone that, you know, deep-seated hatred. I'm not talking about somebody just making you mad and you get over it and you pray about them and you move on. I'm talking about somebody that you've got, this thing gives you heartburn about them, you know. They're not going away. That kind of, that kind of hate, that's of the devil. That ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. So you need to get rid of it. You need Jesus, because that is, thou shalt not kill. That's the commandment you're breaking. But you think you're omitting it. Well, I'm not breaking that one because I didn't do it. Or if you got someone that the Bible's clear about, Thou shalt not uh, worship any other God. That's the sin of commission. I got the wrong one going. That's the sin, because you're going to commit that. What is it about an omission? The clear teaching of the Bible says that we are to live humbly before a holy God, we are to walk in His steps, and we are to keep always looking to Him. That's why What a Day is such a beautiful song. We know on this earth we're stumbling. We're falling. We're we're tripping up over sin. 
And as long as it bothers you and as long as it brings you to the cross and bothers you, then you're okay. Believe me, you're okay. But if it doesn't bother you, then you need to check that thing you call salvation. So the Bible says this, 1 John 1, 9 is clear. It's clear. It's simple. If we confess our sins, now that's not to a person necessarily, that's to God. If we confess our sins, He, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins. It's that simple. It really is. And then there's an and in 1 John. It says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness or other sins. So if we confess our sins, the acknowledge of our sin before a holy God, the Bible says we are forgiven. That's why salvation is so hard. People think you've got to do something. You've got to confess your sins. That's what you've got to do. The Bible's plain. And what did, the, what did the thief say about Jesus? But this man's done nothing wrong. He confessed before Everybody that could hear him, that me and you both, the two thieves, me and you, we're here because we're found guilty. We're judged by uh, the law. We're guilty. We know we are. So here's a fact. Romans 3.23 applies to everyone that's ever walked the face of the earth but one person. For all have sinned and will fall short of the glory of God. Who's the one person? Jesus. That's a big distinction, y'all. Big. That's big. Bible says all, A-L-L. All have sinned. We're the all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The exception is Jesus. Everybody else, Moses, Elijah, all the apostles, all the disciples, all of them. But not Jesus. Make sure you don't put Him in that category. So we really don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us if that thief ever had an encounter with Jesus. Ever. It's not recorded. We don't know. We don't know if he even knew about Jesus, though I, I'm assuming he did. That's a big assumption. I don't know that. But it sort of seems that way to me that he would look to this battered of a human, this shell that, that had his beard plucked out, his face was bloody, his body was bruised and bleeding. I don't know. But he must have, he must have at least heard about Jesus. Or it was purely a work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. You, to keep you up at night thinking about that one. It's one of the two, though. But he saw the one in the middle as sinless. Think about it. All have to come to the realization that Christ is the only one that ever walked planet Earth without sin. Now, I know all you that have grandchildren, that's hard to equate, but believe me, that's still true. <laughs> it's still true. Because here's what it is. It's really cut and dry. God, if you read the Bible, God demands atonement, a sacrifice, something y'all got to give up because you ain't doing right for sin. That's throughout the Bible. That ain't changed. That's still there. Right? The wages of sin is death. But if you get the but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Right? But, but it hasn't changed. We're still sinful before a holy God. So Jesus, only one who qualifies ever. He is pure. He was pure. He is pure. He was holy. He still is holy. And He was innocent. He's still innocent. 
And at least one of the criminals knew it. I don't know if the other one knew it and just didn't care or what, but either one of them verbally said, you ain't done nothing wrong. Says this man has done nothing wrong, is what the Bible says recorded by him. Absolutely nothing wrong. So the guy in the middle, or the, the, one of the guys, one of the thieves that spoke knew that all his legal options had been opted out. I don't know if they had appeals and, and all that like we do now. You can make something drag out for years. I mean, you can have somebody die of old age before they go to death sentence now in America. The way we do our judicial system, I don't doubt they had, I doubt they had anything that ridiculous back then. It was probably a little more cut and dry. But whatever it was, he had exhausted, the thieves had exhausted their options of trying to get out. Because there's nobody that wanted to go to the cross, period. Right? Nobody. It hurt really bad. Really bad. So, so now, the thief was doing really the only thing he, he could find left. And this is crucial. He may have appeared, appealed to all the judicial system around it. You know, judge, please, don't kill me, whatever. But right there at the last, what's recorded for us is him appealing the supreme justice for his sin. So somehow the criminal knew Jesus was who he was. You know, um, I think it was C.S. Lewis that wrote in uh, his book, Mere Christianity. I think it was that one. That he said salvation sort of like, apart from salvation, those who are without Christ are sort of like in a dream. They don't really see reality. They don't really see the greens and the blues and the, and, and, the, and the yellow pollen as far as that goes. They don't see everything in the true color it should be because they're in a dream. And it's almost like the Holy Spirit is looking over them in their dream and saying, wake up, I am the way. Wake up. And when we come to salvation, it's almost like we wake up from that sleep. It's like a spell we were under and we see Jesus for who He really is how we are before a holy God and we are undone and grace is offered. That's what salvation is all about. Think about it. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's what that thief said. So we don't know anything about what their encounters before. It's not recorded in Scripture, but somehow he knew who Jesus was and that he was without sin. So he was looking at a crucified Jesus, a beaten Jesus, a mocked Jesus, a forsaken Jesus. But this criminal saw, think about this now, he saw a king and the kingdom. He said, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Who goes into a kingdom? The king. Think about that. Let, let that permeate over some coffee to later today. Think about that. How did he see in the beaten, battered Christ a king and his kingdom? And if you can answer that question, you know how people get saved. Because you can't. But that'll keep you up at night. But what always makes my... It'll make the hair on the back of my neck crawl every time I think about that thief going to heaven... And again, it's that proverbial illustration. Why are you here? And he said, the man in the middle said I could come. The man in the middle said I could come. So that man, that, that thief had faith 
And this battered man beside him, either on his left or his right, according to which thief it was. So that guy, was, Jesus beside the thief, whichever one it was, whichever side he was, he saw power. Because a king has power, right? He saw power in Christ, about to die, probably close to the time he was. He had faith in the mercy of this battered Christ. And you know, every bone in your body says it's ridiculous. If I was up there, I wouldn't think nothing about the guy side of me, right? People can walk into a church, sing the hymns, and read the stories and not be saved because they don't see Jesus for who. You can't do that on your own. I'm telling you, it is why it is called grace. He said this, Lord, remember me. The thief said to Jesus, let's say he was on his left. Lord, remember me. He didn't do his hands, of course. Lord, remember me. Think about it. Think about that. Then he said, remember me when thou comes into your kingdom. He didn't say if, did he? He didn't say if you make it. If what you said was true, remember. No, he said when. That's faith. Now again, the picture of Jesus at that point in time didn't look like much. Didn't look like no king. He was probably in about the same shape the other three of them were in as far as physically going his body looked. He probably looked basically the same. He probably, they probably didn't have the crown of thorns or the mockery above their cross that he did. But think about that. So in the same way we must seek the Lord for forgiveness, it's the same thing. There's nothing different. We must believe it too. That's the part that most people can't do. We have to believe what the Bible says and trust it as being true. And it is. By the way, just as a side note, it is true. But there's a lot of people that will say, I had someone say last week, well, we all know the Bible was written by men. I said, yeah, about over about 5,000 years, and it's a cohesive story, and there's no way that the men do it by themselves. The New Testament explains it to us. It says the men were inspired by God and wrote, and it was recorded. That's why it is what it is. There's a big difference. If we have the faith in Jesus, He will save us just like the criminal, like He did that criminal. And again, what did Jesus say? This is verse 43 of Luke 23. Verily I say unto thee, talking to whichever side it was, today, again, today, Bo, y'all, today, shall thou be with me in paradise. Now Jesus answered His question that you would... He would be remembered when He goes into His kingdom. It's three parts. Think about the word today. That was over 2,000 years ago. Jesus didn't say, when I come into my kingdom. The thief said, when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today. Today. It's very different and it's purposeful. Didn't say next week. Didn't say when the resurrection comes either, did He? He said today. This very day, Jesus told that thief, in that day your crucifixion by the time this day's over with, that thief will be in heaven or in paradise. Now many, many promises of God are in the future. Jesus generally, when He talked about things, were in heavenly realms. Like what's recorded for us by John in Revelation. Revelation 21, John saw this vision and this still hasn't happened. This is still out from us today even. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first earth and the first, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Revelation 21.1. Jump down four verses. It says, everybody knows this one. And God shall wipe away what? Every tear. All the tears from our eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be no more pain in heaven. For the former things, all those things He just listed, are passed away. That's Revelation 21.4. That's heaven. That ain't got here yet, y'all, for us here on earth. So have those things happened yet? Nope. So that's in the future. Now, now the key is, could it happen today? Yep. Mm -hmm. I've said it for over, well, I've said it for a long time, but I've done it a lot over the last three years. It could happen any second, but we are really upside down around here. So it could happen any minute. Yeah, mm -hmm. could happen today. It could happen before I finish. It could happen before I finish the next sentence. I don't know. But it could happen. But it's still in whatever the future is. And But now Jesus told that thief that that very day, that's in the past, by the way, just to let you know, that's over 2,000 years ago that happened. That thief has been in paradise ever since. Again, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's really no blanket statement. It's not impersonal. Think about it. The Lord made him a very personal promise and it had his specific need in it. Today you will be with me in paradise. You notice that, it's, that Jesus didn't like agree with him. Yep, y'all been pretty bad. You know, he never does that. Thief, Jesus didn't say to that thief, yep, buddy, you've been terrible, but I forgive you anyway. He didn't say that, did he? That's what God, that's why it's grace. God don't bring anything up. Satan, on the other hand, will, will let you know when you're a Christian, every little sin you've ever done, he'll be sitting there going, see, see you did that. How can you be saved if you did that? You really did that? You can't call yourself saved and do that, can you? That's Satan, by the way, just to let you know. Jesus didn't condemn the man. He didn't judge him or nothing. And y'all really, that's how salvation happens. It's literally one person at a time. One person at a time. So what is our um, call? What is our duty as a Christian? That is to tell. Tell what Jesus did to your life. Tell how He's changed your life. Tell how you're much better than you were. Show that bright and morning uh, do about you. Be, be, be uh, happy when you tell them and, and be honest with them about you're not perfect, but you're forgiven. And You know, because salvation is one telling another and then the Holy Spirit opening up their heart and they believe. So what is it if you think about it? When you get some great, somebody that really teaches, or let's say for instance a Billy Graham concert. Everybody's probably seen a, tele, a televised version of a Billy Graham concert when it was going on or any of the reruns. I'm going to tell you what, a lot of people went up, but not everybody, right? A lot of people went up. I mean a lot, but not everybody. Why? Some of the other ones could have been saved already. But I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they all weren't. I just don't think they were. That's all I got. I just don't think they were. Not all of them. Because there are people that can sit under the Word of God and it will just bounce off them or roll off them like water off a duck's back. They're good with what they are. 
They don't mind where they're at. They're, I'm good. All my systems are in check. Me and God, we're buddies. That kind of person. You know, that kind of person. But that's how salvation is, one person at a time. But you know, the Bible tells us, and if, if you ever put things up, I would, I would put Romans 10, 9 and 10 up. It's just, it's what it is. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, if, that if they, thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised Him, Jesus, from the dead, thy shalt be saved. Period. Verse 9. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth the confession unto, is made unto salvation. And the criminal on the cross did exactly that, those two verses. Or verse 9, really. And then he proved it with verse 10. So Jesus told him again, Verily I say to you, today thou shalt be with me. That's today. You know, do we want to go to heaven to leave earth or to see our loved ones, which is not, not a bad thing, I'm not saying it is, but what is our, our, our ultimate motive for heaven? The, the correct answer is to see Jesus. The byproduct of seeing Jesus is seeing all the rest of the saints you know that's gone with you. But it's because of the finished work of the cross. It's because of the redemption story being fulfilled through Christ Jesus. That's the reason you're there. So I can't wait to see Jesus. And Jesus said very personally to that thief, you and me will be in paradise. He didn't say... You're going to paradise, I'll see you in a little while. i got some work to do. He didn't say that, did he? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So you think about that day. That criminal had a day like any other person that's been saved had, but their judgment was a lot worse. That day, the criminal was in jail. He was in prison probably, whatever they call it. By noon, he was on the cross. Sometime that day, he died. But immediately, he was with Jesus at that point. Pretty good day, ain't it? Pretty good day. What is this? Now, there are people that have turned over to Romans 1. You just got to read it and the reprobate mind, that is true. But I'll, I'll say it till I, I can't have no more breath. Spurgeon used to say all the time, if God would put a little R behind everybody or an R up here that only He could see, then He wouldn't. And I'm not talking about redeemed, I'm talking about reprobate. He would just ignore those and, and tell everybody else. But the problem is we don't know. And I promise you that the day before or before the criminal actually got taught, you would have dismissed him probably as someone that could go into the kingdom. He's not worthy. So we don't know who can be saved. We don't know who's going to be saved. So you have to get real careful when you start talking about things like that. The omnipresent God knows. So what does that tell us? In, in a nutshell, it's never too late. So, so parents, or if you're praying for a child that's still not where they should be, don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. 
If you're praying for a loved one, for a friend, and it's been a long time, I'm talking even years, don't stop. I've told people, and they, a lot of times their eyes get about that big, I said, if the intervention had come from even Adolf Hitler, he could have been saved, you know? As far as I know, it didn't. I don't expect to see him there. But I'm saying you can't be, the Bible is, is just replete with you can't be bad enough, you can't be sinful enough to be forgiven. But you can turn and you can ignore God and God will turn you over to a reprobate mind and you'll never get saved. But we don't know the difference. You can't label somebody different. But So what we should get from this is it's never too late. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples. He said in what Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, He said, Come to me, all ye who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, you, upon me and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble, and you can find rest for yourself. That's what Jesus said. So the criminal on the cross, it was never too late for him. He, he lived a wasteful life. And he made it into heaven. But the story teaches us, the thief on the cross teaches us in the very essence of the story is we don't know when it's too late for us. So we pray for our people always. Always. It could literally have been in the last seconds of that man's life that Jesus in paradise. I don't know. It doesn't say. But don't ever, ever give up on a loved one. While you have breath to pray, pray for that person and witness to them and talk to them and, and be that light. So nobody's ever too bad. Remember that. So think about this. Let me put it real plainly. It doesn't matter where you've been sleeping. It doesn't matter what you've been drinking. It doesn't matter where you've been hanging around at. It doesn't matter, matter what sinful act you have committed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you broke one of the Ten Commandments or all of them. It doesn't matter. You can today be forgiven and saved right now. That's how grace is applied. Think about it. If that thief on the cross can be saved, anybody has the potential to be saved. So we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them. Jesus said that's recorded for us in Luke, back in Luke 19, one verse. It says, For the Son of Man, Jesus most favorite designation for himself, he says, for the Son of Man. He's talking about himself. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's what he said. That's his mission. And it's never too hard to cry out to God. You know, that man's salvation, if you put it out on a piece of paper and look at it, is no way, is totally, without a shadow of a doubt, based on the mercy of God in his life. There's no way he would have seen God or Jesus for who he was. It's simple of act of faith. So I want to leave rereading re, re this two verses in Romans 10, and we'll close. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans 10, 9. No other way. That's it. Then the proof, verse 10. For with a heart man believes unto righteousness. You believe it. You, your actions reflect your belief. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's really that simple. 
So if you know anybody that needs saving, don't ever forget to pray for them. Don't ever forget to lift him up before the Lord. Don't ever forget to speak into their life the Word of God. Let's pray. Dear God, as we're here today, Lord, we are so awestruck by your grace. Lord, by your mercy that you poured out even to the thief, Lord, it happens today. Lord, let us be people of belief that we believe that no one is outside of your reach. Lord, let us act like we believe no one is in reach. Lord, let us be those people that spread your word, seek your will in all that we do, and that others can see you in, see you in us and come to that saving knowledge of grace before it's everlastingly too late. Amen.